I think in my head, it probably said, oh, I'll never be that mm. way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I look at myself in the mirror and go, oh, I'm getting that way. Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicki. I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Ingrid from sunny Southern California. Hello, Mom from humid New York City. It's supposed to be like record heat this week for you, right? It was two weeks ago. Last week was very mild, almost more like June gloom weather again, which was lovely. And this week, I'm not quite sure. Good. I'm glad it's a little bit less less hot. It's supposed to be very hot today. Humid, humid, mm. humid. Well, today, Mom and I are going to talk about a subject that really um, is well documented among women, but there's always a specific angle for a mom and daughter relationship, mm-hmm. and that is body image. That's right. So I'm excited to have this conversation. We, we've talked about body image between the two of us in the past, but um, one thing that I've noticed as I've moved, as I've grown up to a few places, is that the way people talk about body image, et cetera, changes a lot based on your general culture. So mm. I'm excited to talk about how that connects to us. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and it does seem like it has become more pronounced in my lifetime than it was when I was younger. I knew about being thin and everything, but I I was fairly thin for a high schooler, and so I didn't think about it a whole lot, um, and my mom didn't talk about it. My mom is five inches shorter than I am. (laughs) So she is kind of always considered in the petite uh, category. And she is thinner and she more often would talk about wearing dresses and not necessarily body image, but looking pretty. Not She didn't call it looking pretty, but looking feminine, looking mm. ladylike. So I think she and my dad had a conversation at one point in their life that he liked her in dresses, so she wore more dresses wow. than pants. Yeah, so definitely an era, a product of the 50s and early 60s. But she didn't require that I wore a lot of dresses. I wore dresses every Sunday and had dresses for things. But I've certainly lived in a lot of pants, too, like any kid. (laughs) That's amazing how quickly, this is not surprising, but within three seconds, the conversation on body image includes gender stereotypes and um, includes Mm. more than your personal body image. Because I think when we say body image, Probably what people usually mean is like, how do I feel about myself? What is my personal image to myself? Mm-hmm. But that is always in juxtaposition to whatever you think that you should be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So I love that you brought up dresses and, and like gender stereotyped clothing because um, that is something that I found as soon as I moved out of California. Oh, I guess I should say as soon as they moved out of L.A. L.A. has a very specific culture, as does each part of the world. To yes. The south. Um, and I moved out of it to the south, where I learned that there was a huge request for women to wear 
dresses. And I've said this before, but my my little trope for New York versus Nashville is that in Nashville, they say, we don't care if you ever are healthy, <laughs> if you ever eat healthy or ever exercise, but know how to wear a dress and little wedges and put on a little makeup. And California or LA mm. says, we don't even really care if you actually work out, but look like you work out and eat healthy and you don't even have to own a dress. <laughs> yeah, you started talking about athleisure when yes. you moved away. Well, and that was also like timely because it happened to come into style then. Mm -hmm. um, but LA is full of athleisure. And it's mm -hmm. a very interesting dichotomy because on one hand, athleisure is sort of against the generational stereotype of women must wear dresses, etc. like grandma had and even that you had for church. Like you didn't require us to dress up for church. Mm -mm. But it does, at least in LA athleisure, it does require some semblance of an active lifestyle. That's at least the, the suggestion is that you have a very active lifestyle and that's why you are always in yoga pants, you know? And of course the point is that mm -hmm. athleisure isn't, doesn't have to be that, but, um, I learned when I went somewhere else that I grew up in a culture that was very thoughtful about image and thinness and exercise, where other cultures still have like just as much concern about women's body image, but it's less necessarily about thinness and exercise and and more about how like airbrushed you can make yourself look, <laughs> whatever it is. So just that there's a difference um, in, in what that looks like, but there is still always a pressure. Well, it's interesting when you say that body image is in comparison, because would we have body image without comparison? Maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> we might not compare or anything. Just having finished reading The Dressmaker of Karakana, the uh, women were just always covered up so from head to toe. So they didn't have a lot of body image to be concerned about. Certainly not their whole body, maybe their face when they took off their habjib, they were concerned about, but the rest of their body wasn't something we heard them talk about too much. Right, and I think that also happens to be about like different a different culture and the way that Americans think differently about their bodies than other cultures around the world. Yeah, I have lived now in California longer than I lived in Minnesota. So I grew up till I was 20 in Minnesota. And I remember being concerned about being thin and having uh, friends that were more fit than me because they were in yeah. more sports. I wasn't out of shape because I danced, but... Uh, the It was at the era in the 80s when the gym, local gym, other than a Y, opened <laughs> for the first time. There were YMCAs around where you could go exercise, but it wasn't a thing to exercise uh, at a gym hmm. before that very much. And then the Jane Fonda videos came out. And Thank Jane goodness Fonda, for Jane Fonda. <laughs> I don't know, thank goodness. I don't but, either. Well, Jane Fonda definitely was like in her tights and leotard and leggings and she was doing cardio yes. kind of videos. Then, you know who I think brought on like the exercise connected to health craze was Richard Simmons. Hmm. Do you remember hear, ever hearing about him? Not he really. was a man with curly hair that stood out from his head. I think he used to be quite heavy. 
I think that's his story, that he was quite heavy and he went on a, some kind of a diet program, but he also started these exercise videos. And of course, as a teenager, he was mocked. But um, what he had on his exercise videos, he's a man with huge personality, Mm -hmm. uh, but he had very heavy people on his videos, men and women, and he would get them moving. So the kind of the, the picture was that he helped people get moving for their health. So anyway, there was a fancy gym that opened up in our neighborhood and I, my dad got our family a membership. And so we would start going there and mostly I did the cardio classes and then used the machines a little bit, but it was all kind of meandering, never really super intense. So I was aware of my weight and everything, but I didn't have to be too concerned about it for most of my adult years. I'm so excited that we're talking about this because I didn't know any of that story. (laughs) Just as anything that we just grow up in, it didn't ever really occur to me that there were many times, even like throughout your life, that exercise didn't almost equal health. And I grew up in a culture where exercise, at least in my head, like pretty much equaled health. If you don't exercise, like you aren't as healthy as you can be. And we definitely Mm. grew up, by the time I was born... You were an exercise fanatic almost. You're you're out, you're very balanced in your life, <laughs> but you would get up at like four thirty in the morning to go to a gym class before you got us up for our day and like was mom full full swing, mm-hmm. which is quite the dedication. You know, <laughs> ran marathons and you know workout videos all the time at home. So like, I just can't imagine you not being in a in a family or in a situation where that would have been a priority. Oh, you mean with my parents? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they started kind of like I am at, at this place in my life right now. <laughs> with, I think they started being more concerned about their weight after like in, in their 50s when they started gaining weight more easily. So women and and men, your metabolism slows down dramatically at age 50. And for men, it slows down quickly and then it tapers off and then you're kind of at a new set point. And then for women, I heard it slows down slowly for 20 years, which is super (laughs) depressing to me. (laughs) I heard something like five pounds a year, which I'll be 200 pounds if that's the case. So I'm not exactly sure how that would work. Although I've seen it in different relatives of ours, how they've gained a lot of weight. And uh, it just, it seems really hard to um, lose it again. Mm. And I started hearing about probably around when my parents were 50, I started hearing about them do things like Weight Watchers Mm -hmm. or Jenny Craig or be concerned about losing weight. So thinking of body image, we definitely can't get away from a diet culture, even from our parents. Whereas I think the generation before ours didn't know so much about diet and nutrition being associated with health. Mm-hmm. So my my dad's, dad was a doctor and he died of a heart attack and a stroke and he wrote in his he used to keep a daily journal which was just one line and he said I feel worse than my patients and he his wife was they lived in Indianapolis and she cooked fried chicken and lots of bread with parquet on it and Timmins 
sweet rolls with parquet right. spread on top of it if you, if you needed that spread on top of it. So they ate well for the time and they didn't know the connection about diet, right. not necessarily diet, but nutrition and health. Yeah, that is what's so interesting is that so much of diet culture actually has very little to do with nutrition or <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't like bring it full circle in each diet, mm. especially when I think of something like Weight Watchers, which is maybe like the most classic diet. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem quite complete as far as like really changing someone's ideology and, and like the, a love of food, of good, like food that's good for you. One thing, a story that I've heard frequently from other daughters and their moms is, uh, at least from the daughter's perspective, feeling a lot of pressure from their mom to stay, well, to stay thin often or um, Mm -hmm. to be inside a very specific type of beauty. I remember a couple different girls, at least one, through high school that it was like pretty evident how engaged her mom was in her own weight journey and um I met someone actually in the last year that opened up to me in a similar way we were talking about this podcast actually and conversations between moms and daughters and she said one of her biggest hurdles with her mom now as she starts to like leave the house is this like self-image body image thing and just how much her mom had to say about her weight and 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 comments under the guise of health Mm. about, you know, was she gaining weight? How heavy was she? A lot of comparison between her and other cheerleaders or whatever it was without taking into consideration her height or something like that. Mm. So I think that's an important thing to comment on to know that that's a lot of people's experience. I don't have that experience with you particularly. I don't remember you really having anything to say one way or the other about weight, which is great. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, We did a lot of activities together. I think there's a lot of like example shown. Um, Mm. And I think what's an interesting conversation here is, is the difference between personal comments and comments directly to someone else. Because where you were never one to like pull me aside and say, oh, should you be eating that? And like watch your weight or any of those things to me personally. Mm. You are very free about talking about your own struggles with body image to me and my sisters, where you will say of yourself in a day, oh, I just feel so bloated. I feel like I need to lose five pounds. I feel like whatever it is, or I feel really good today, mm. whatever, which is just an, another layer of the same conversation. Mm-hmm. It's great to be that vulnerable, but those are also things that I also inherit about if mom's thinking that much about how she looks, maybe I should be too. And then I, so anyway. That is an interesting thing. I have heard people say what you say about yourself is the kind of judgment that you'll put on other people if you don't say it out loud. Hmm. Uh, so it has crossed my mind as I've, well, as I've gotten older and I started gaining weight a lot easier, I comment about it because it's a frustration and it's kind of something in my face. And it, yeah, it it's definitely in my face because my clothes that I've worn for 20 years don't fit. But I basically was within two or three sizes for 20 years. And now I'm, I'm kind of back at the outside of those sizes 
so that's hard. Yeah. And I'm trying not to say it. And I'm trying to, if I say it, match what I say with what I'm eating. That is a great <laughs> Cause one. Because if I'm going to complain about it, then I can't go have a bowl of non-dairy ice cream <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, three pieces of toast or one piece of toast or something. But generally speaking, I'm I'm trying to be kinder to myself and remain active. It's easy in quarantine life to be more sedentary because we spend more time on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I am working with clients more. But I am trying to think about being active throughout the day. It's always been more easy for me to be active in the morning. So I'm trying to think of like how to be active throughout the day as well. But it is... I. I have uh, thought of that recently, how the things you hear me say about myself, you'll start thinking, well, mom says that about herself. What does she think about me kind of thing? Or, or That's crossed my mind. Yeah, and I, th- I think at least in my experience, it's less about what y- you think about me and more about like an example of how I should think about myself. Mm. If you don't hear uh, conversely me saying kind things to myself, which I don't, and I think that might be cultural... Like, oh, you sound like too in full of yourself or something. Yeah, it's got to be just in, in saying, balance. Because if if all I ever heard was, was you saying negative things about yourself, it would stand to reason that I would mostly think negative things about myself because that's my, my greatest example. But if you, there's also, especially in Christianity, there's like, I heard someone say recently that they grew up in toxic positivity, which is a fascinating hmm. phrase. And it's that it's what you're saying. It's like the opposite. If you only ever said happy things about yourself, I might look at myself and be like, how do you, that doesn't seem accurate. I've never felt that great about myself at every point of the day. And then I might feel weird about having self-doubt and those kind of things. One of the things I'm, I was sure that this would come up at some point and I've waited a while. So I'm finally going to mention Holy Healed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because one of the things I find interesting is that the the conversation around body image or body positivity has shifted again in my um, young adult time, just as you're saying it did in the middle of your growing up time in your culture, like to workout videos and, and gyms for everyone. And, and now the conversation is a lot more about doesn't matter what your weight is, love yourself. Mm. And so I mentioned Holy Healed, one of our favorite Instagram accounts about body image and and, um, just general like liberation for oneself as a woman in America especially because one of the things that seems evident from her advice is to both like make it clear what your voice is in your own story and the way that you talk to yourself and the way you think about yourself and also to to create an environment around you of different voices or differentiated voices so that you have a little perspective you have to do that carefully, and and um, that's like definitely in social media an easy one to be like, all right, that person. When I see that person's things, I always feel bad about myself. I'm just gonna not follow that person. That's great. I, I don't need that kind of a voice in my life. But I thought about it just now to say, like, if I had only ever heard your voice growing up about the way that you felt about your body and the the value that you held on your own thinness, there would only be one thing for me to be concerned about. But instead, because of social media and larger conversations, I also now can follow people on Instagram who live in much bigger bodies and talk about health without talking about thinness. 
And um, mm. you, you start to broaden the conversation and then broaden your understanding of the way that you can talk to yourself um, and the mm. way that you're allowed to talk to others. Because one of the biggest, I think, revolutions in this conversation right now is the, the fact that thinness doesn't always equal health. And um, mm-hmm. that actually a lot of our, even like medical standards for like body mass index and all those things aren't necessarily tied to individual health. It's like kind of a, a very broad standard to, to not really look at each person's individual um, needs mm-hmm. as a person. Yeah, I read that this week about body image and that was fascinating. Not not body image, body mass Im- index and uh, that it was this construct just like the word race was a construct yeah. for the purposes of helping one set of people. By diminishing another <laughs> and, set of people. Yeah, by diminishing another set of people. So I appreciate, and I am trying to be kinder to myself as I'm in this stage of life when I'm gaining weight faster than I've gained it before. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be kind to myself and saying, I'm at a new stage of life. There's new things going on in the world. I am active. I do thoughtfully eat Mm -hmm. most of the day you know I have my hard times of the day when my um, inclination is to to go to sweets or to go to just eating more and and I I'm also growing in compassion for people that are five ten years older than me Mm. you know my my parents and my in-laws are 20 years older than me so I had my own set of judgments in my head about them. And I think in my head, it probably said, oh, I'll never be that Mm. way. (laughs) And now I look at myself in the mirror and go, oh, I'm getting that way. And now I understand. I didn't understand why that it's a product of how our bodies change over time. I'm in the post-menopause stage of life Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize I wasn't told yeah and I didn't realize how much the body changes so that is sometimes I kind of wish that somebody said something to me yeah seven years ago and said be careful now because your body changes a lot in 10 years and I I'm not sure I would have believed them but it, you know, and in, in the past, I would say, oh, I've always been able to fluctuate between 10 pounds in the past. I'll be able to do it again. But if someone had scientifically explained to me, no, no, this is what happens. I still don't have a very good explanation because a lot of the medical people that I talk to are younger than mm-hmm. me. And I think they don't care about how the body is changing either. Maybe I need to see a women's health doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically that specializes in all the changes that happen in the body or something because it's been shocking to me in the past year how much my body has changed and I thought whoa I didn't know this was going to happen so that's been a shocking and upsetting but I'm also trying to be kind to myself with the words that come into my head saying you're getting older your body is changing it's okay yeah you didn't expect your body to be the same for your whole life but certainly on the media women in their 50s are not highly valued women are encouraged to look in their 30s yeah i was just about to say that i it's it's a huge detriment to literally half our population that women are only talked about in a 
in a youngness model mm-hmm. because the fact that there was no one to to sit you down and and explain to you that your hormones change again when you're going through menopause just the way they did when you were coming in through puberty both says that like we're doing a disservice like medically to just like explain things to women of that age and says that there's a giant thing in our like a giant hole in our culture because things mm-hmm. that are culturally not taboo just get said right and then they would like it would just be in conversation and like that would be better <laughs> something i'm reflecting on as as you were speaking is body image is is rather twofold especially when you're in relationship like we are because mm-hmm. your your personal image, my personal image of myself, has to be a pretty personal and intrinsic practice. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way I'm I'm gonna grow in my own confidence and my own okayness with myself is through my own practicing of of positive self talk and a releasing of comparison and and creating an environment within my social media and within my real world is is kind and is differentiated. But there's also a place for you to talk to me and for me to talk to you. And that is what's, I guess, more important for for us in relationship. And so I've had a lot of questions in my head in the last year as you have worked through this like changing of your body for where do I validate your experience and where do I, where, where can I encourage you? How do I mm-hmm. say you're still beautiful and that your worth has nothing to do with your weight and your size without it being a, like a placation? You know, I don't want it to just be something I say to make you feel better because I truly do believe it. But how do I do that authentically? Mm-hmm. You know? I appreciate hearing that as well because for me, as I age, it's not just my body size, but it's my face and what does it look mm. like? The I heard somebody once say, you know when people get the saggy eyelid and I thought, no, what is a saggy <laughs> no, eyelid? No, you're I never, about never it. thought about that before. And then I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my gosh, I have the saggy eyelid. That's why people get facelifts. That's terrible. How sad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my eyelids definitely have gotten saggier. And over time, as I look at more my dad than my mom, but my dad has that where his eyelids sag. I I chalk most of this up to gravity. We well, live yeah. on the earth and gravity is pulling us down. There are people with different melanin in their skin that seem like they sag less than I do and, and my family heritage does. I think of my dad's side of the family. And so I have become more self-conscious of that over the years. And it's nice when you guys encourage me and say you still look beautiful mom because I don't always feel beautiful and then it's helpful to think about if I want to feel beautiful to spending time and thoughtfulness getting clothes that fit my new body shape well rather than trying to squeeze into something from the past Hmm. and um I've seen how women adapt and change in that too. And in my head, I've probably thought, oh, that's not going to be me. I'm not that. But now I am. And now I kind of think, okay, well, I can respect that, that they're doing that. And I was hard on them before and I was unkind in my mind. And But that's a really good ex- example of, of you being unkind in your mind and it really just being a reflection of the way that you can be unkind to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's something... Yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm sure it's easier to say when I'm not at, in your stage of life yet, 
but the the way that um at least on social media and my social media feed, which is specifically curated based on algorithms, but you know, um, <laughs> all of the like new pictures celebrating women's bodies after they've had a baby and like stretch marks and things that mm. have been taboo for a long time to say that is your, your battle scar and your mark that you've brought life into the world. And like, I hope that you're different, you know, I hope that you're changed by that and thank you. And and just like celebrating that because there's been life and a huge gift involved in it and like hard work and sacrifice. And I kind of feel the same way about the way gravity works on our bodies for our whole lives, you know? like <laughs> you, It's stupid that a man can have gray hair and wrinkles and he's wise and a woman can have gray hair and wrinkles, wrinkles and not be young enough. She's old. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> yeah, she's not young enough. So, um... It is stupid. It's it's stupid what we value. Partly has to do with the makeup, though. I mean, women start wearing makeup. You talked about the airbrush culture. I appreciate that women seem to be wearing less makeup. I guess not on stage. It just depends Broadway. where you live. Yeah. It just depends. Uh, and in New York and L.A., they wear different makeup. <laughs> you know, that looks, quote, unquote, less. One thing about I, was, I wanted to mention, from my own experience kind of goes back to like needing other voices in your life and how important it is to have a, like a few people that you can talk to in like full vulnerability about, ugh, I'm just having a hard, hard time right now. I don't know that that mm. should always be the mother-daughter relationship. I think sometimes there's a point in there for each of us to talk to someone else because you and I know how to push each other's buttons more than almost anyone else in our lives, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, there's a different sensitivity there. But when I went to college, I gained some weight because I went to college and I went to college <laughs> in the South and I came back home to California every summer and just felt so hyper aware of the, the thinness culture and the athlete culture of LA and, mm. I was so uncomfortable about it, and those couple years are the only time in my life I can report people like saying directly to me, you need to lose weight. Mostly my sisters, maybe once or twice from you. I don't remember specifically who, but people within my own household, my own family. And it was Mm. always like, ooh, like you can be healthier, but it had to do with my weight, Mm. not my Mm. health. And it was really important in that time to, to have my close friends a couple, one, like two girls at school and, you know, just like two or three other girls my age to text and be like, this is, this is how I'm feeling right now. And for them to validate that and have that and, and have that not be you. Because I think if I had Mm. told you about that, you would have immediately heaped shame upon yourself. And then it would have been like, I'm such a terrible mom. And then I would have had to like really encourage you that you're not a terrible mom. This is just a thing we're working through. And that's like three <laughs> other problems than, than me just being able to have the vulnerability to say to someone, this is something that I'm working through. Thank goodness for, you know, people like Jessica on Holy Healed or each of us growing. And um, for me personally, thank goodness for New York. Because in the tropes that I have for LA and Nashville, New York's trope to add to it is we don't care what you look like or what you do, just don't bother me. <laughs> so there's like a whole new level of like be whoever you want to be and look however you want to look here, which I appreciate. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that as part of the body image conversation between moms and daughters that at some point in some age between a mom and a daughter, there it is also important to have a support group outside of each other. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's true. And I think the challenge for a mom is always being able to perspective take and to have mind sight, insight, to use Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's words, that your feeling is, it's hard to say it's not connected to me. Right. Or I'm I'm not connected to it because we live in community and in connection and we're always looking for connection. So And you particularly yes, have spent what, a lot of your life being specifically connected to me. Yeah, intentionally connected. But there is a point where I need to understand where I end and you begin and that I, it's possible <laughs> that I didn't raise those feelings in you. There's nothing that I did that made you have those feelings. That's a point of maturity I feel like I'm just coming into now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't understand it very well growing up and that's where the hypersensitivity comes in and where sometimes I think, oh yeah, I've definitely had lots of hypersensitivity in my lifetime that you guys have experienced. <laughs> so I think it is helpful to have other people in our life. We need we need more than just our family that speaks into us. Yeah. And to recognize that the voices you hear, where are they coming from? And what's their perspective? Mm-hmm. And how is their mindset? And maybe they don't have a healthy mindset with regard to diet culture and nutrition or or size right, right now. Right also a distorted perspective. So what messages have they bought into? It takes so much intentionality. (laughs) Yeah. This is not one of those things where you can just like, I don't think this is ever one of those things where, where you just have enough info to now be like, oh yes, I'm past that hurdle. Well, it it depends though where you spend your time and if, if you spend your time on entertainment where people are always looking at you, then that's going to be something you think about more. If you spend your time in the sciences or something like that, where you're looking at a microscope or you're doing something else, then you're not going to think about that as much. I don't know. Wait, I don't know, though. I think you might. I mean, I student taught with a middle school teacher that was only talking about her weight. (laughs) She's teaching like she doesn't need to like be on screen ever. I don't know. I think I think culture is still far, far away from not keeping that sort of, some sort of standard on women no matter what. Well, yeah, is is what, what do you pay attention to? I mean, to? you're not an entertainment, but you have all those thoughts. Yeah, what do I pay attention to? What entertainment do I watch? What right. do I marinate in? <laughs> yes. So hopefully yes. we're marinating in other things other than, yeah. Yeah, your intrinsic worth perhaps. Yeah. The fact that your wrinkles are your wisdom. Well, that's where it's nice to have people around me, like my children and my husband and my friends that say, I love you. I don't know. It's hard. We always say a compliment is you look beautiful, but you don't, you can take the word look out and say, you are beautiful to me. Actually, you're totally right. That would be honestly much more accurate, (laughs) (laughs) just as in so many things looks are so unique to each person that it's very silly that we even have some blanket statement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's no one looks like anyone else. You are you. Yeah. Well, it's nice to talk about this. You are beautiful state of being to me, Ingrid. You are beautiful too, mom. I love you. High five. I love you too. High five. Working through each step of body image, no matter how, what state of life we're in. That's right. I'm glad to do it with you. Me too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, 
ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.